0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BT Podcast. My name is Danny, the online pastor and your host for the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. However, you're watching or listening, whether you're on YouTube, on Spotify, or up a podcast, so grateful that you are here. If you are blessed by these conversations, do us a favor: share them, tweet about it, post about it, let people know to check these out. And in today's conversation, we have Shane Pruitt, who is the next gen director of the North American Mission Board. The dude is passionate about sharing the gospel and passionate about people come to know Jesus. Uh, Especially when it comes to the next generation, and so in today's conversation, we talk about different cultural trends when it comes to next gen and how churches can be multi-generational in how they practice their ministry. Check out this conversation. All right, for uh, today's episode, we have Shane Pruitt joining us. Uh, man, I'm excited about this conversation today. Uh, Shane, would love to just kind of start uh, with you sharing your story. Uh, where did you grow up? How did you come to know Jesus? Uh, when did you
1: know you were called to ministry Uh, and what sort of things has God allowed you to be a part of? Awesome, Dane. Thanks for having me on, man. Honored to be with y'all, hang out with y'all this weekend. Yeah, man, grew up in Texas, south of Waco, um, did not grow up in church, which is funny because in the role I'm in, uh, I travel across the country. And so especially when I'm in like the North or the East Coast, West Coast, most people assume if you grew up in Texas, that meant you grew up in church, you know, because yeah. it's like God, country and guns, you right, know? Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was lost and on all all my way to hell. Um, mm-hmm. And so I didn't become a Christian until I was 21. Nice. But if you would have asked me, Whenever I was 16, if I was a Christian, I'd been like, yeah, I believe in the big man upstairs, you You know, that kind of cultural Christianity, but man Mm. lost. And, but at 21, God, man rescued my heart, saved me radical change. Uh, man, my, my Trinity in high school and college was not father, son, Holy spirit. It was partying, sports, yeah. chasing girls. So, man, whenever I got saved, I started sharing the gospel with all my friends. I'll be honest, probably in an annoying, immature way because every day I was telling them they were going to hell, yeah. you know, and they were nice. like, what happened to Shane? Did you join a <laughs> you join a cult or something? Like, you know, so like almost overbearing. But what's cool is now, like um, the majority of the f- crew I ran with mm. are believers now nice. are in the church. So praise the Lord That's for sick. that. But man, I started spending all my time with the pastor of the church, uh, which is a guy that is the exact opposite of me, you know, mm. because I mean, I, you know, I'm the guy that wears the jeans and the Jordans and, right. and, and, and those kind of things come out of a party lifestyle. The pastor of the church who led me to the Lord was the exact opposite, man. Wow. I think like he wore Dockers dress pants like, every day. Like <laughs> I think, he, yeah, yeah, like I think he mowed his yard and Dockers, <laughs> you know, and, uh, never, even tasted a sip of alcohol, you know, just the exact opposite. But man, he loved me. Yeah, He loved me to the Lord. He spent time with me, poured into me. So whenever I got, became a follower of Jesus, I uh, got saved. I spent all my time with him. Mm. Um, and so one day, um, I don't know if he was just tired of me or, you know, he was just trying to set direction for my life. But yeah. he goes, he goes, man, I love that you're spending every day, all day with me, but he's like, what are you going to do with your life? You know, you're 21. And I go, man, I don't know. Because Danny, whenever I was lost, I wasn't just spiritually lost. I was lost in life. I was like bouncing from relationship to relationship, job to job, moving in and out of my parents' house, failing out of junior college. Like that's almost impossible, but I was failing out of junior college, you know? Um, and so, uh, man, I was lost completely. And then man, whenever I got saved, he goes, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, well, why don't you at least go to Bible college and learn the Bible. Mm. I didn't even know there was Bible college. I didn't know what that was. Um, And so, man, we visited uh, a Bible college in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I looked at the degree program didn't see any math classes. I was like the Lord <laughs> has <in>. spoken. <laughs> the Lord has spoken. This is what I was supposed to yes. do. And so the next semester I moved to Dallas started going to Bible college I was a brand new Christian. Didn't know anything. And so I started going to Bible college and all these Bible college students are there to be pastors mm-hmm. and ministers and worship pastors. And so man they're doing what Bible college students do you know mm-hmm. they're in the coffee shop debating right, theology right, yeah. like Calvinism and, Arminianism Arminianism. and all that. And I I had no clue what they were talking about. Right. I was still calling, you know, Psalms <laughs> Palms, you know what I mean? So, but I had some professors there that took special interest in me, mm-hmm. poured into me, disciple me. So I would say, like, Bible college, Christian university— I got a great education, learned some good doctrine and theology, but more than anything, that's where I was discipled, wow, yeah. man. That's good. Um, and so through while I was there, through that, God began to open some doors for me to just share my testimony mm. with some youth groups and stuff. They were like, man, we don't trust this guy to preach, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we'll let him share his testimony. To so students, yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. yeah, And then I started doing that over time. And then, man, there was this small church outside the Metroplex that uh, they said, hey, we got five teenagers would you wanna come teach their Sunday school class every Sunday? It's like, yeah, man, that's awesome. So I didn't know what like curriculum was right. or anything like that. So whatever I learned at Bible college that week, I would you teach these teach it, teenagers. Yeah. You know, so I'd be like, Hey, today we're gonna talk about the hypostatic union <laughs> of Christ and there's like seventh grade boys just sitting there picking their nose, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> (laughs) But I was single college student, so I could pour a lot of time into them, man. And they thought it was cool because I was Mm -hmm. a college student, you know. And so over time, that five became 10, that 10 became 20 to about 30 uh, students. And then that church goes, hey, we got some extra funds. Would you want to be our youth pastor? We can pay you this amount of money. I was like, man, I can get paid to do this. This is crazy. Um, And so then I became a student pastor, and then uh, another church reached out to me. Uh, What was crazy is that original five ended up being about 150 on Wednesday night and then a large church oh approached me about being a full-time student pastor and teaching pastor and, uh, and then launched out there and planted a church. And then now I serve with the North American mission board, mm-hmm. uh, which is a national Southern Baptist entity. So we work with 48,000 churches, you know? Yeah. And so now I'm their national next gen director. So I get to travel all over the nation, speak wow. to college students, young adults, uh, teenagers, and then to help churches and, um, like ministries reach Gen Z with the gospel. That's so um, good. and so then through that journey, I also met my wife. Yeah. Man. And at school, you know, at the school we're going to and man, married way, way, way <laughs> over my head. Um, and she's, uh, she's called to ministry. She serves Good. on staff at our home church and, uh, we have six kids that are 14 and under. That is a prayer request. Uh. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, we have a 14 year old daughter. You guys are right now. Man. Yeah. A nine. Yeah. Man is zone defense. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, yeah, we have a, a nine year old daughter, uh, and a 14 year old daughter. They're both biological daughters, mm-hmm. which means they carry our DNA. Yeah. Um, but then we have four kids three adoption, which are very much our kids, yeah. equal our kids, just care care of our DNA. So yeah. we have a son adopted from Uganda, a son adopted from Liberia, wow. uh, and then a son and daughter adopted from the greatest nation in the world, Texas. Mm, that's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, dude, that's powerful, man. That's yeah, so good. So that's our, I always say that's my primary ministry. Everything else I do course. is from the overflow of that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Man, a couple of things came to mind when you shared your story. Um, number one, you know how uh, your, your high school life uh, was not the Christian life. Yeah. Uh, and then the transformation happened. And then it's kind of like you allowed someone to love you, whether they looked like you or not, you know, you talked about the guy wearing dockers and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, And I think that's so powerful uh, because uh, part of discipleship for the Christian is just letting somebody love you, whether they look like you or not, do they know Jesus? That's the most important thing. And we'll kind of get into that topic here in a little bit. Uh, But what I loved hearing about your story is very similar to me. I got got saved my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, but I was the same way, man, party, football, girls, all that stuff, um, and then I remember I walked into a youth group, uh, and this youth group was upstairs in this building. And I was as I walked up, I was there for the wrong reason. I was there because a girl had yeah. invited me, yeah, uh, sure. and so. When I walked up, I heard like footsteps really loud, and then when I got into the room, I saw this guy chasing middle schoolers with water noodles and just like running them down trying to like beat them up. Yeah. Uh and I was like, "What in the world is going on in this room? Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. what the heck's going on? What would you invite yeah. me to?" Uh but then that guy recognized that I was new, and he stopped and he said, "Hey, what's up? My name is Nick." And then he just introduced himself to me, and I just thought that was a cool thing that he mm-hmm. stopped for me. Yeah. And that, I mean, you know, I think stopping for somebody is like the first step to just say, "I recognize you. I see you." what's up, let's get to know each other, Uh, that can be a a huge first step towards just showing somebody who Jesus is, Uh, and I think our our next generation kind of needs that, Uh, and so let me, uh, you know, you mentioned your title, that you're the National Next Gen Director of the North American Mission Mm -hmm. Board. That's a long business card title, man. Dude, so, bro, like, on, like,
1: and get this: like on paper, it's yeah. actually the National Next Gen Evangelism Director of the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh, right? so, yeah, that's not a business card. That's yeah, a yeah. business billboard. <laughs> yeah, so I just say National Next Gen. Director. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's
0: good. We'll take yeah. that. Uh, and so that tells me that you have a passion for the Next Gen, for right? Sure. You wouldn't uh, do what you're doing, uh, and I think maybe part of your passion is because that's when you got saved, like at that age, yep. uh, and so you you see that calling, uh, and so. In a national level, uh, what kind of work do you get to do in that role? Whether it's like uh, just empowering youth pastors, connecting with students—like, what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, man, I love that. So, so probably the number one question I get, Danny, is like. Um, why at this stage of my life mm-hmm. am I focusing on the next generation yeah. again? Because yeah. that's typically not the path that ministry people take, right? So it's like sometimes mm-hmm. the path in ministry is like, okay, uh, I'm gonna become a student pastor right. and now I'm gonna become a lead pastor yep. because I was a lead pastor of a fast growing church. Yep. And then now here I am in a different stage of my life focusing on teenagers and college students yep. again. And they're like, you know why? That's not typically the path people yeah. take, right? And so here's why I do that is because really I'm an evangelist yeah. Heart, meaning I love to see people come to know Jesus Amen. as Lord and Savior. Like I love to see people get flat out saved and their life change. And so where does that happen? It mm-hmm. happens in the young adult years. Like, uh, So according to statistics, I mean, wrap your mind around this, 77% of all Christians surrender to Jesus before the age of 18, mm. 95% before the age of 30. Wow. So I say, hey, if you want to see people get saved, like the harvest is with like, kids and teenagers and young adults. And you can't
0: wait till they're past 30. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, you know, and I mean, if you think about it, even when we talk about like equipping people to reach others with the gospel, a lot of times uh, in churches, you tend to think of like training adults Mm -hmm. how to share the gospel with other adults. That's very important. Please don't hear me uh, wrong. That's very Mm -hmm. important. But that's also like fishing in 5% of the Mm -hmm. lake. Yeah. Because really 95% of people who surrender Jesus are going to do it in their either children years high school, college, junior high years, or those 20s, you know? And so if you really want to see people come to know Jesus, focus on the next generation. That's where the harvest is. That's like the front lines of evangelism right Mm -hmm. there, you know? Um, And so... That's why I do that, man. That's why I love to help others do it. It's because now is the time, you know. And mm-hmm. you think of Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistically speaking, Generation Z is the least religious generation we've ever seen yeah. in the United States. Um, according to some statistics, only about twenty percent are actively engaging with the local mm-hmm. church. Um, and what's crazy about that, Danny, is according to Business Insider, there's seventy two million Generation Zers mm-hmm. alive. Uh, So Uh, it's the largest generation. World or country? Yeah, in the United States. Okay, in the United United States, States, Just In the United States, 72 million. Wow. Uh, Just in the U.S., 72 million. Well, if you think of about 20% of them are connected to the local church, if you invert that, that means 57 million aren't. Mm. And if those 57 million created their own state, it'd be the largest state in the United States by over 19 million people. So you can almost say it's an unreached people group, Generation Z. And so, man, that's my heart is like, man, I want to be in front of that generation preaching the gospel, lifting up Jesus, but I want to help churches and ministries and networks to Mm -hmm. reach that generation. And so, man, that's what I do, man. So big picture, uh, uh, reach, disciple, mobilize the next generation to be the church of today, Mm -hmm. um, and then help churches uh, with resourcing, coaching, equipping to reach that generation. I love love it. So it's basically like, hey, Shane, live your dream and we'll pay you to do (laughs) it. We'll give you you some money.
0: That's so good. And and you kind of got into this kind of looking at the cultural trends, the stats, Uh, where, you know, where 20% uh, are are non-religious affiliated and all that stuff, uh, or only 20% are. Uh, And so, but what are some other, um, whether it's like, like, like give me a stat that kind of like freaks you out about the next generation or just surprises you or, uh, or just something that, that grabs your attention and you're like, man, we need to help them because of this. Yeah. Uh, Whether it's a cultural trend, uh, a direction, a philosophy that you see them moving towards, like what's something like that that you see right now?
1: Yeah, man, Uh, man, two things. I think uh, there's, obviously confusion about mm. their identity and how God's yeah. created them to be. Yeah. And then I think mental health. Wow. Um, and so you talk about pandemics. Like yeah. I, You will never hear me belittle COVID 19 and the coronavirus. It's a very real pandemic. You're not going to hear me make fun of it or belittle it in any sense. But one thing we have to be clear on is COVID 19 is not the only pandemic we're facing right Mm -hmm. now. There's a mental health crisis in our country and primarily with young adults and college students, high school students, junior high students. Um, You know, a lot of statistics used to say about, you know, 10% of a generation will struggle with depression and anxiety, uh, Generation Z, one out of two believe wow. they do. Now, whether they're clinically diagnosed or not, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. In for their sure. mind, yeah. they, they believe they're yeah. depressed or anxious, 50%. Um, man, uh, I think a really scary statistic came out really before the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, for the fourth year in a row, wrap your mind around this, even with the advancement to technology and medicine, for the fourth year in a row, the average lifespan of all Americans declined. hmm First time in US history. And the primary reason was because of drug overdose rates yeah. and suicide rates amongst young millennials and Gen Z, man. Yeah. So I think there's a mental health crisis. And some of it is, uh, I would say not just some, a large of it, a percentage of it is a problem with us adults, mm-hmm. because what we've been teaching a whole generation, their whole life is uh, little cultural cliches that aren't biblically true and aren't helpful at all. We'll say things like follow your heart, right. which is your emotions, your desires. And so when they're told your whole life that your emotions, your desires, right. your feelings yeah. are your dictator. Then, then they allow those things to dictate them. Yeah. And really, we were not created to follow our heart. We were created the one that created our heart. You know, <laughs> yeah. we were followed. To, we were created to follow Him. Yeah. You know, Jesus. Um, and so, our our emotions and our feelings and desires, uh, those are a gift from God to mm-hmm. worship Him with. But they were not given to us to be our gods. And yeah. so, I think you have a whole generation that's basically made an idol out of their feelings and their emotions. And I think that's why we struggle so much with depression and anxiety. And then I think the other thing is the identity aspect. Um, So, man, there was a Gallup poll that was released this week at the time of this recording, you know, in February Mm -hmm. 2021, uh, that one out of six uh, Gen Zers identify as LGBT, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But what's interesting about that is when you dive deeply into the data, um, those who identify as gay has not grown, but those who identify as bisexual mm. has grown tremendously. And I think once again, it's an adult problem that we've like really forced upon a generation about gender confusion, mm-hmm. gender, fluid to where there's really not men and women right. culture develops all that you For know sure. and so I think it really confuses a generation on their identity Yeah, and so a lot of times I think they tr- you know we can try to find our identity in our sexuality instead right. of finding our identity in Christ you yeah. know and so as the church I think we've been silent or we've been forced by fear into compliance mm-hmm. and when the church is silent on these things then culture screams it right. and they only hear one world game. yeah so as the church we must remain loving but we cannot remain silent
0: wow yeah that's so good bro uh yeah and that's uh man it's it's difficult to be because we want to be loud in in what we believe yeah uh but we also want to love the person in front of us and so those uh those conversations are difficult to have yeah uh and and that's why i think it's so good to allow like if you're a Gen Z right now and you're listening to this, allow yeah. an older person to love you Yeah, that you can trust that when you share like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling yep. uh, that you trust that person to be able to acknowledge those thoughts, acknowledge those feelings and then help you in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And cause that's the thing I feel like, I feel like young people um, don't realize that older people love them uh, yeah, and, and sure. maybe, uh, and then even get to this next part of the conversation, older people maybe don't know how to love younger people. And yeah, so, and, yeah. and, and Maybe, like they feel a calling but they don't know how to pursue that calling and mm-hmm. so uh, I want you to imagine this yeah uh, pretend I'm and a f- can I say something go real ahead. Quick yeah, yeah. on that
1: because I think this would be helpful for the gen Z are listening and yeah, yeah. for the adults that are listening that care about gen Z is that hey when we hear, when we hear things especially about um, gender mm-hmm. or sexuality I think everything is so politically divisive right now and yeah. so visceral. So automatically we start thinking of political stances right. and I want to say, ignore that, forget that, set that to the side, look at it as a biblical thing. Mm. And so I just encourage you, um, be a Berean. Mm. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, when Paul was in Berea and he would talk about scripture, they would go investigate it themselves. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you that, uh, forget politics, right. forget agendas, forget cultural, um, aggression just go to the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, and do your own study. Mm, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a reader, because uh, when you said that, it made me think of this. Uh, I just
0: read Carl uh, Truman's um, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Mm-hmm. Uh, phenomenal read awesome. uh, of just how we historically got to this idea of expressive individualism. Uh, really, really good stuff. Yeah. All right, now uh, pretend this. Pretend I'm a 40-year-old dad. Uh-huh. Or, or a, maybe a, a 50-year-old mom or just an older adult that feels called to serve the next generation in my local church, right? There's a youth group. They got 40, 50 students or yeah. however many— uh youth pastor goes up and says, hey, I need some volunteers, whatever. Uh, but I'm scared to do it because I don't feel cool enough, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't wear skinny jeans. I don't wear Jordans. Yeah. Uh, what's a word of encouragement that you would offer to that person? Uh, how can the church connect with, listen to, disciple, empower the next generation? I
1: love it, man. I love this question yeah. because I think that's the number one thing I hear is mm-hmm. like, Very rarely, I say very rarely, I'd say never, never do I hear someone go, you know what? I don't care about the next generation. (laughs) No one ever says that. But I think sometimes it can be a little intimidating, Mm -hmm. you know, or they go, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand their lingo, Right. you know, and, or man, I'm not cool enough. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to wear the skinny jeans and all that. And I'm like, good. Here's, here's what you need to realize, whether you're 40, 50, 25, or 85, like just be you. Yeah. Like, because here's what I know here's a core value of teenagers and college students. Transparency and authenticity. 100%, yeah. So, like, if you are not the skinny jeans, Jordan wearing, tattoo guy, and you try to become that mm-hmm. to to like identify, dude, they'll see right through that, and mm-hmm. they'll see it as out of touch, cheesy, yeah. inauthentic, and they're not going to give you the time of day. Yeah, anyway. one week you come with slacks, next week you have a tattoo yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Just, just like, be what you. you? <laughs> so, if you are the the skinny jeans and tattoo, and yeah. and and you are the bald fade guy with the the sneakers dude do that Mm -hmm. be you but if you are like the guy who reached me with the gospel if you're the guy Mm. with dockers and loafers carrying around a Gideon New Testament, yeah. that's okay. Like, be you. Like, yeah. I think that's what people uh, here's one thing I can say about teenagers and college students. They are so agenda weary. Mm-hmm. They are so worn out on the slick and the fake. They're so worn out on the aggression um, that they're just looking for real people. Yeah. Like if you'll really be the real you, man, you'll get a voice, you know, you'll yeah. get an ear. You'll get just be you, be authentic. Man. Mm-hmm. And and here's where I want to encourage you too. If you're an old Believer, an older saint, um, especially Generation Z. So many of them were raised by their grandparents anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they identify more with people who are their grandparents' age than yeah. they do even their parents' age. Yeah. And so I always say this: the most untapped resource in any local church for college ministry and student ministry is those senior adults. Yeah, uh, and you know, or, sure. you know, or the classics. Right. You know, yeah, we just kind of um, put them in the corner yeah, by themselves. Man, yeah. Because think about it: they have the wisdom. Yeah, often they have disposable income. <laughs> Um, they often have, uh, they often have wide open calendars cause yeah, they're retired. They're available. So man, I tell student pastors and college pastors, man, get some of those seasoned saints. Now here's the deal. We all know there's some curmudgeons mm-hmm. that you don't want around college students and high school students, but everybody knows who those people are. Right. Just avoid them because there's plenty of others that man, they will be heroes in those ministries, wow. you know, yeah. and like utilize them. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, be you um, be authentic, be the real you. And then, Hey, be willing to pour into a generation. Titus chapter two, uh, the older women take the younger women, Mm -hmm. the older men take the younger women, uh, the younger men. And, uh, and I think one of the greatest tools the enemy uses against the church is to keep everybody separate. Um, Hey, believe me, hear me. That's, that's my job. I believe in age specific ministries. I believe in children's ministry, Youth ministry, college ministry, young adults, all that. I believe in all that. But I I believe that we got to figure out ways how to be on mission uh, together as generations. Mm-hmm. Um, because typically in the church we go, all right, all the young people, you always go over here, right, all right. the young marriage, you go over here, all the empty nesters, you go over here, all the classics, you go over here and we keep everybody separated. And I think that cuts our discipleship legs out from mm-hmm. under us. So w- one of my favorite churches to walk into is on a Sunday morning when you walk in and you see the 16 year old and the 60 year old greeting together, wow, yeah. you see the 14 year old and the, 70 year old taking up the offering together. Right. That's you cool, see yeah. the all ages on stage, man. Yeah. And so like, yeah. I think the more we can be multi-generation on mission together, the better and healthier our churches would be.
0: Love yeah. that, bro. Okay. Uh, and that's, uh, that there goes our podcast title, multi-generational ministry. Yeah, I, I love it. Love it. Uh, and so, but, but part of that too. So I love that you said that be, be yourself. Don't, don't be fake. And and yeah. they pride authenticity. That's, that's what yeah. the next gen wants. Uh, but there also is a, an aspect of gospel contextualization and understanding yeah. the culture, yep. uh, and so while you may not feel cool enough, you still have to maybe understand who they are the uh, and words, how they yeah. think. And so, uh, and so, right now we live in a, in a culture where trends move very fast. Yep. Right, uh, AirPods are cool right yep. now; they're not going to be cool, yeah, right. in, you know, in a year type of thing. Uh, and so, if Uh, What are some ways that you try to stay knowledgeable and you reaching the next uh, generation, uh, stay knowledgeable about who they are and all that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. So for me, um, I think social media, can Mm -hmm. it be used, you know, as a, as a tool of the devil? Yeah, (laughs) you know, it it can. All right. But listen, God is the redeemer of all things, you know? And so social media is really educating. Mm -hmm. Um, now some of the things you might be educated in are going to be really dark, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but it helps you know where a generation is. Like, I mean, you look at social media right now and you'll see, man, it's, there's a generation that's hurting. They're broken. They're looking for solutions they're addicted yeah. to things um and so i think social media is very educating you know and so uh, you got to limit it don't make it your idol uh don't let it pull you into some dark stuff mm-hmm. but i think you can be educated on the things going on in culture through social media, you know? Um, and then for me, it's just being around the next generation, man, yeah. you know? And so whenever, like, even, you know, I'm, I'm with y'all this weekend, speaking at an event where there's hundreds of teenagers here, man, just floating around, talking right. to them, hearing their fears, hearing their struggles, hearing their victories. So that firsthand knowledge. Um, and then I, like I said, we have kids and so our oldest is 14, mm-hmm. you know, and she's a freshman in high school. She's and the next then, gen. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then our house, we always, my wife and I always wanted our house to be the house that the friends wanted to hang out at you know so her friends are always at our house and so dude it's like a constant case study (laughs) in our house man so i'm always asking them and i'll do danny i'll even ask them sometimes like hey i want to use this illustration or or joke will this connect with y'all and they're like Like, please don't do that that's a total dad (laughs) joke joke, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. or they'll be like yeah that's really good or i'll just say hey what are what are people struggling with at y'all school right now Mm. what are people really into and i'll even ask this hey who are the social media influencers right. that people are really following right now yeah. or hey who are the musicians that's really shaping your generation mm-hmm. or who, or what are y'all watching what's the f- Netflix yeah. series that everybody's watching right now yeah. like I'll just constantly ask them that and so man really if you notice in the gospels uh, Jesus is always asking right. questions in yeah. fact he'll often answer a question with a question right. and so I've just gotten to where I almost feel like a three-year-old again, you yeah. know, like, like when your kid's three, Constantly they just ask learning. why, why, yeah. why, 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 why is this guy? So I feel like the older I get and I really love a generation and want to know how to point them to Jesus. Mm. Um, then man, I just ask a ton of questions. I love know? it. Ask and a ton like, of sometimes yeah. like hey, my 14 year old, I pick her up from school, you know, and I'm asking her 15 questions like that. Just give me a minute before you ask all your questions. <laughs> but yeah, I would just say, ask a ton of questions. Love it. Yeah. Always be a student, don't feel like you ever have it figured out or don't get to a point where you don't care to learn anymore. Mm. Like always be a student. Why? Because here's some truths that always remain true. Is the generation constantly changing? Yes. Is the world constantly changing around this? Yes. But these things have been true for 2000 years. Right. People desperately need Jesus yeah. and the gospel works and the Bible is always relevant.
0: Yeah. Love it, bro. Stick to that. so good. Yeah. yeah. And that's one thing I used to encourage youth leaders is like, uh, we need more adults in the room. <laughs> we, yeah. Young, young yeah. adults will serve students all day because they right. love it. And, yeah. uh, but just like, just be available. Just hang out in this room and, yeah. and you know, we'll just see what God does with that. Yeah. Uh, and then ask questions, man. I love it. Uh, last question for you, bro. Uh, you wrote a book, Nine Common Lies Christians Believe, right? Phenomenal yep. book. I read it. Uh, it's an awesome resource. So definitely check it out uh, if you're listening. Uh, what was the motivation for putting that resource together for you?
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, so Nine Common Lies Christians Believe, orange book with the Jackalopa the company yeah. probably not going to find another orange book Did of you jackalope. That? no i didn't uh. that was all the publishers that was all their, <laughs> that was their idea and everything yeah so the jackalope's a mythical creature just like some of these cliches that are in the book are mythical you know right um and so big basically big picture of the book is there's some cultural cliches some one-liners mm-hmm. that we as the church for lack of a better term have adopted into our faith baptized them and made them a part of our vernacular mm-hmm. that aren't biblically true you know right. so um. uh, some of those are like uh god won't give you more than you can handle mm. follow your heart. We talked about that a while ago. Believe in yourself. Uh, God just wants me to be happy. Uh, if a loved one dies, God gains another angel. Yeah. 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 So yeah. each chapter of Nine Common Lies Christians Believe takes one of those cliches, and then what does the Bible actually have to teach about that and a better truth to move forward with? Because mm-hmm. what we know is this, is typically we share those sentiments with people who are struggling. Yeah. You don't say God won't give you more you can handle to someone who's having the best day of their life. Right. Usually you share it with someone who's struggling. Yeah. And But here's what we know. What's going to get us through those dark nights of the soul, C.S. Lewis used to use mm-hmm. the term dark Night of the soul. What's going to get us through those dark nights of the soul um, is God's infinite truth and mm-hmm. not some little cultural cliche yeah. that's not even biblically true. Right. Yeah, so that's the big picture of the book. And it's really an overflow of our life. Um, our son, that's adopted from Uganda, he's eight. Uh, he has a rare seizure disorder called mm-hmm. Lennox gastro syndrome, mm-hmm. which means he suffers from multiple forms of seizure yeah. every day. Um, and so it was uh, powerful reading that in the book, man. man. You like guys share so, a lot dude, of good stuff in there. I, I mean, I'm telling you, Dane, besides the Holy Spirit himself, Titus has been the greatest teacher in my life, nice. the greatest minister, man. Love it. Um, and so in eight years, he's had 13 surgeries in and out of the hospital, constant doctor visits, constant therapies. Um, and man, there's no kind of suffering like watching your child suffering. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and so well-meaning people, and please hear me, I don't want to be snarky at yeah. all, but well-meaning people will say things like that through the years. You know God, You know what the Bible says? Right, God yeah. won't give you more than you can handle and You're like, the Bible doesn't, <laughs> doesn't say that. that. Yeah. Or, you know, if God calls Titus home, his name's Titus, uh, God to gain another angel. And, you know what? and it's like the Bible doesn't teach that. So just kind of really through our own journey, um, of really just searching the scriptures mm-hmm. and the promises that God really does give in these areas, yeah. we began to make a list, uh, my wife and I, of like just kind of those cliches mm-hmm. that have crept in the Christian thought Damn. that aren't biblically true. We made a list of it. And uh, I write a lot of blogs and articles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wrote that originally as an article for Relevant Magazine. Gotcha. And it became their most read article of the year. Wow. And that had some publishers reach out about turning that into a book. Nice. And we just took that journey and that's how it happened. And man, all glory to God yeah uh, we just celebrated the two-year anniversary of it been nice. hundreds of churches have used it as sermon series small group study yeah. it's been a number one bestseller on amazon multiple times every store has picked it up and please hear my heart in that not in all to bring attention to myself god truly gets the glory because i'm an idiot you know <laughs> like, like i grew up in the country so me and my yeah. friends used to time each other how long we could hold on to an electric fence without letting go you know oh so i have a lot of friends <laughs> so god truly gets the glory of that yeah. man so that's been that that book man it's been so cool i put my personal email in there yeah. um, which the publisher is like you sure you want to do that and I'm like yeah and so what's been cool is being able to get hundreds literally hundreds of email mm. from total strangers across the nation of just how that book has impacted them and what it's meant to them and man it's been so cool. So love cool. it, God be the glory. Is
0: there it. is there uh, video evidence of the you know electric uh, wire? Yeah, thing? No. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, that's awesome. under grace, man. <laughs> that's under
1: grace. Yeah, that's been covered by the blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: <Jesus. laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. man, Shane. Well, I appreciate your wisdom. I uh, appreciate you coming into the BT podcast uh, thankful that you shared all that with us. Uh, my hope is that whoever tunes in, uh, hears this, uh, learns from it, grows from it, uh, and has a strong desire to serve the next generation. Uh, and we are excited to see what God does, uh, here at BT, but also through you and your ministry, man, we are praying for you uh, and praying that God does big things. So love awesome. you, bro. Appreciate hey, you, man.
1: Hey, love you too, Danny, man. And I love it, man. Here's what I, I believe truly with all my heart that the most effective person at reaching a teenager or college student with the gospel is another teenager or college student Mm. that's on fire for Jesus and has a heart broken for their lost friends. So as adults, we get to invest in that and to cultivate that into the next generation so they can reach their own generation with the gospel, man. Love it. Yeah. So good. Appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you, my friend.